Today, we, as humanity, have faced a huge number of crises that affect the lives of every one of us. Most of these crises are a consequence of the consumerist format of society. But we do not see the main enemy. While we are disconnected, fighting over resources, and trying to solve artificial crises, our common enemy only aggravates them. It covers more and more territory and takes human lives. This enemy was one of the root causes of the global energy crisis that erupted in 2021 and negatively affected all areas of life, causing the prices of energy, goods, and services to rise. Our common enemy is climate, and it is attacking all fronts. Climate disasters are gaining momentum every day. In an attempt to prevent climate change, we are offered false solutions, such as the popularized belief that green energy will save our planet from global warming. But the facts confirm that green energy only leads us to a worsening energy crisis. Many countries have abandoned conventional energy in favor of green energy to reduce CO2 emissions. In the year 2021 alone, we spent $632 billion to fight global warming. But do we see the results? What is actually behind this desire to shift to green energy? And why will it not help prevent climate disasters? Solar panels, for example, contain such heavy metals as lead, cadmium, and mercury. During operation, they leach into the ground and evaporate into the atmosphere. Waste from solar panels is 300 times more toxic than nuclear waste and requires special disposal. But since it costs more than production, they decided not to bother with it and send the used panels to landfills in poor countries. So far, not a single country in the world today has regulations for their disposal. So what's wrong with wind farms? To build a wind farm requires an enormous investment of money and resources. At that, the average lifespan of a wind turbine is 20 years. And during this time, it manages to recoup only 78% of the money spent upon its construction and installation. We are not even talking about maintenance, which implies building special purpose vessels, expensive utility high-rises, and constant replacement of blades. Just one wind turbine requires more than 500 tons of lubricants, which is comparable to nine tank cars of railway trains, which, by the way, are also produced from non-renewable resources of the planet. Just think about it. The size of the blades can be as big as the length of a soccer field. And do you know what they are made of? That's right, of that very plastic that we continue to struggle with so unsuccessfully around the world. Because of their gigantic size and hazardous chemical composition, they can't be recycled. So the classic solution is that the blades are taken to landfills and covered with soil. After all that, do you still think wind power is environmentally friendly? Now let us take a look at the downside of hydropower. 65% of the world's major rivers are blocked by hydroelectric dams. At that, dam failures and breaches put lives at risk and the planet's ecology suffers. 
hydroelectric power plants directly affect the bowels of the earth. Tons of water from reservoirs press against tectonic plates, causing man-made earthquakes. We keep being persuaded that alternative sources will improve the environment and solve the issue of climate change. Why? Where does such pushy advertising of green energy and show of concern for us come from? After all, it is not profitable for the states that are forced under pressure to subsidize these projects and buy this energy at five times the price of traditional energy. Germany is a prime example. By shutting down most nuclear power plants in favor of green energy, it has hit a dead end. On best productivity days, it generates only 17% of its electricity. So, today, it has to buy energy with huge amounts of taxpayer money from the same non-green nuclear power plants in neighboring countries. Tell me, isn't that absurd? There is also another important fact worth noting. Renewable energy depends on the sun and the wind. So it must either be used immediately or accumulated in batteries. Yet, electricity is a complicated and expensive commodity to store. Now let's recall that a battery is the conversion of electrical energy into chemical energy and back again. To create them, harmful chemicals are used that cannot be recycled. And in order to produce cobalt, child labor in underground mines in the Congo is used. All this is done to allow us to breathe supposedly clean air. To summarize, with such aggressive promotion of alternative energy sources, are we taking into account their low efficiency factor and impact on ecology? Do we fully understand the threat to humanity as a result of renunciation of hydrocarbons at a time of global climate change? Because of the manipulation of public opinion, states are forced to shut down industries that run on coal, oil, and gas. This leads to a crisis in the energy sector at a time when we desperately need it. It is becoming obvious that alternative energy sources are not only developed as a source of income for one and the same organizations and corporations, but most importantly, they are used as a tool to control the nation's energy industry. In the end, we are back to the same game of power and lust for profit instead of concern for people and saving their lives. But at the same time, many people see this as a hope and a way out of the climate situation. Even though green energy is polluting and much more expensive than conventional energy, it also turned out to be very dependent on climate change. As a result of three severe winter storms in February 2021, the state of Texas, USA, experienced a major energy crisis. It was accompanied by massive power outages and resulted in shortages of water, food, and heat. More than 4.5 million homes and businesses were without electricity for several days. More than 150 people died. Due to the abnormally cold weather, wind turbines which appeared to be very dependent on climatic vagaries, malfunctioned. Due to the abnormal drop in temperature and the subsequent power outages in the state of Texas, oil production and refining were limited, which caused an increase in world prices for this raw material. 
During the same year, power generation in the North Atlantic fell due to decrease in wind speed, which markedly increased the energy crisis in Great Britain. Due to a hot and windless summer in 2021, Germany lost 21% of its electric power generated by wind power. Restrictions on the use of coal and the desire to achieve carbon neutrality led to the closing of coal mines in China. With a total capacity of 1 billion tons per year. Heavy rains in Shanxi province, one of China's major coal mining centers, forced the closure of 60 mines at the peak of the energy crisis in October 2021. All this has led to a global energy shortage and, as a result, a sharp rise in the price of gas, one of the most important fossil fuels, which holds the leading position in the fuel and energy balances of many countries. Speculation should not be disregarded either. Major players are happy to take advantage of the situation, which further boosts the energy market. Today, almost everyone on the planet has heard about the anthropogenic impact on the climate, about greenhouse gas emissions, and the global warming associated with them. The whole world is combating greenhouse gas emissions, while international organizations and countries are trying to influence climate change. But do you know exactly how it happens? In 97, a number of countries adopted a general agreement to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. To enforce this decision, various countries have introduced economic mechanisms that encourage manufacturers to abandon fossil fuels. The primary mechanism is international emissions trading. Each country sets a limit, a cap, on the total amount of CO2 emissions they will allow each year. It is measured in carbon credits. A carbon credit is equal to one ton of CO2 emissions, and the right to release a certain amount of CO2 emissions is called a quota. Established quotas for greenhouse gas emissions are shared by industries and companies within the country. A manufacturer who has reduced their emissions and has not used a part of their quota can sell that portion of their carbon credits on an exchange. A manufacturer who has exceeded the quotas is required to buy them. It turns out that greenhouse gas emissions are a new commodity that is being bought and sold. The right to emit pollutants is traded on carbon exchanges similar to a stock market. This market generated $272 billion in revenues in the year 2020. Another mechanism for regulating CO2 emissions is a carbon tax. It is a fee levied on companies that burn fossil fuels. These taxes go to the budgets of countries and each country decides where to allocate these funds. Now, what is the purpose of these market mechanisms? And how can trade and taxes help with climate change? The tax and quota on CO2 raises the cost of any commodity that is produced using carbon energy. And it also bumps up the price of the energy resources themselves. That is, hydrocarbon energy is being made so expensive that we just couldn't afford it. But do they give us 
anything in return? Humankind is offered to switch to the green energy. But there are certain questions. First, this kind of energy is unstable and cannot provide us with the necessary amount of energy. Secondly, it turns out that green energy is more expensive than hydrocarbon energy. Most interestingly, we still have to use the same hydrocarbons to produce the elements for green power plants. Additional climate taxation and the quota system bring good profits to various organizations in particular states. But in the end, who will pay for all this? The question is rhetorical. So what happens? We are destroying the existing energy industry, but we have not yet created a viable replacement. At the same time, this raises the price of the resource without which no person can survive. During this year, the price of CO2 emission quotas in Europe has doubled. As a result, prices on energy markets have risen as well. In October 2021, prices per megawatt of energy in Europe were six to eight times higher than in 2020. Consequently, this affected the economic situation in the world, which had a direct impact on the well-being of every person. There is another important point. Have all these measures helped solve the real climate problems? Do we see a reduction in the growth of natural disasters and weather anomalies? Has the ecological situation on the planet improved? Have we started to live in a safer and more comfortable world? Perhaps everyone should just look around and honestly answer all of these questions. Our common enemy, climate, has influenced the world's energy crisis through droughts. Decreasing river levels caused a drop in hydropower generation in 2021. USA, for the first time since 1967, a 750 megawatt hydroelectric plant at Lake Oroville in California was shut down because of low water levels. Power generation at California's largest reservoir, Shasta Lake, dropped by about 30% over the summer. Power generation at the huge 2000 megawatt Hoover Dam on the Colorado River has also dropped by about 25%. China. Drought in China's southwestern Yunnan province reduced hydropower generation by nearly 30% in the first five months of 2020. Production in 2021 decreased by about 10%. Yunnan typically accounts for about a quarter of all hydropower generation in China. Brazil. A prolonged drought in southern and southeastern Brazil caused a dramatic drop in hydroelectric reservoir storage. In Brazil, where hydroelectric power is the main source of electricity, 61%. The drought reduced the water flow into the dams up to their 90-year lows. The authorities were forced to raise electricity rates for the population. According to Jose Marengo, a climatologist at the government's disaster monitoring center, severe weather events such as drought 
will become more frequent due to climate change. And Brazilians will have to change their attitude toward water. Iran. In Iran, rainfall has decreased by 52%. The volume of water in dams has dropped by 28%. This has led to power shortages and has forced the country to import electricity from neighboring countries. Tajikistan. Drought is causing damage to Tajikistan's energy system, which depends entirely on hydropower. Climate change has reduced precipitation in Tajikistan by almost 50% for the first time in the country's history. And as a consequence, the volume of water in the Vaksh River, which hosts a cascade of hydropower plants, has dropped by half. As a result of the decrease in the amount of water in the rivers, the water supply in the Nurek Reservoir has become 17 meters lower than last year. This has led to restrictions on electricity consumption in order to increase the water supply and avoid problems for the country's population during the autumn winter period. Kyrgyzstan. The Kyrgyz population is asked to save electricity and entrepreneurs to look for alternative energy sources. Otherwise, the government will be forced to introduce austerity measures. The main reason for the energy crisis is the low water period the Republic is experiencing. In warm seasons, it caused drought that hit the local agriculture very hard. The onset of cold weather threatens to shut down the largest cascade of hydroelectric power stations, which provides most of the country's energy. Uzbekistan. Low water levels in Uzbekistan have also caused a 23% decrease in hydropower generation, resulting in power outages. Climate change has become one of the main causes of the energy crisis. In 2021 alone, power outages occurred in the following countries, China, Kazakhstan, Iran, Brazil, USA, Venezuela, Japan, Greece, Kosovo, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Mexico, India, Lebanon, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Uganda, South Sudan, Tanzania, Nigeria, Ghana, and Colombia. As we can see, even rich countries are not immune to the effects of climate change. No country in the world can face the climate challenges alone. So already today, we need to join all human efforts to fight our common enemy, the climate. After all, CO2 is not the real cause of climate change. It is a global hoax on which collaborationists make money. It's time to open our eyes to the truth. Over time, the atmospheric levels of carbon dioxide have radically fluctuated throughout the Earth's geologic history. They have been in the past as much as 5,000 parts per million. They are currently about 420 parts per million. So over long periods of time, they have fluctuated, but in general, they have fallen. There doesn't seem to be any correlation uh, whatsoever uh, with 
increasing CO2 and temperature. And, and in fact, if we look out, one of the things we're being asked to believe is that our modern temperatures are unusual and unprecedented. We've never seen temperatures like this in thousands of years. That's just not the case. We have a map showing temperature changes over the last 11,000 years. These are Greenland ice cores. As we can see, a thousand years ago, about 2,000 years ago, and about 3,000 years ago, we had warm periods, and everything indicates that these were periods of global warming. It was long before man-made CO2 emissions had any considerable volume. Therefore, we know that the natural variability can be large. This graph here, we also show what the IPC does. It, it prolongs more or less this curve going to infinite that it becomes warmer and warmer because of the CO2 release or climate. Or, and that's what we think is wrong. Our prediction is that it will soon start cooling and we have to be prepared for that. And the warming trend we're in right now, though, started more than 300 years ago. But again, 250 years of warming took place before we started adding CO2. Uh, but we're asked to believe that those natural forces that have been driving temperatures since the dawn of time suddenly ceased in the 20th century. CO2 is a gas that has very little effect on the climate. The IPCC models assume that the higher the CO2 level, the higher the water vapor level. And water vapor is a gas with the greatest impact on the climate. But the assumption that the more CO2, the more water vapor has never been proved. It's temperature changes first, and then CO2 levels follow that. Um, it's not the other way around. If, if man, if increasing CO2 was going to drive temperature, CO2 should change first, and then temperature should change. The blue curve is the temperature on of the sea. That is sea temperature, the ocean temperatures. The red is the land temperature, which we get from, in this case, Hadkrut, which is an um, official temperature series. First comes the change in the sea temperature, a little bit later the land temperature, red, and then about one year, 11 months or 10, 11 months, the carbon dioxide changes. And when temperature at the sea goes down, the carbon dioxide goes down 10, 11 months later. Well, let me show you another table that might tell you a little bit about the CO2 content. There, take a look. There are 3,000 billion tons of CO2 in the atmosphere. And the total man-made emissions per year are 20 to 30 billion tons. But if you look at the ocean, it has far more CO2. So the exchange of CO2 between the ocean and the atmosphere totally overshadows human activity. Shows a more detailed analysis telling that this red part here is apparently what anthropogenic has, or mankind produce of carbon dioxide, which is about less than 3% of the increase from 1960, but the nature produces the rest, this variable curve here. So 97% of the increase comes from nature, according to these uh, scientists. 
Let us track what is going on. After all, during every cycle, there's always an accumulation of carbon dioxide, methane and everything else. It's like the results of warming and everything else. If we track from the beginning of warming, it's about 10 or 11 months, CO2 level begins to increase, regardless of whether there were people or not. That's the reaction of our planet. Afterwards, when warming subsides, CO2 level recedes to normal, and it all comes to an average amount. When cycles occur, CO2 rises even higher. That's clear. And now a question. Let's just think about it as intelligent people, capable of some kind of reflection. Why does this happen? And let's look at what is happening to our atmosphere. And why are trees, excuse me, instead of absorbing CO2, begin to emit much more of it? Why? What is going on with the trees? Do they mutate so fast, or what? Not just in some particular place, but almost everywhere. As soon as the temperature rises, mutations begin. Yes. Yet, what is actually taking place? And we look, where does this CO2 go? Into the atmosphere. Where's the main reaction taking place? In the upper layers of the atmosphere. What happens? The lower layers drastically heat up, while the upper layers drastically cool down. Okay, such cooling and heating is formed. What does that lead to? Densification, right? Okay, what does densification of the atmosphere mean? If we look at those heights, the atmosphere is rarefied. That is, molecules, the molecules of gases, air, water, everything, are at a great distance from each other. And when this kind of densification occurs, they begin to compress. What do they compress for? What's the point? And why does this always coincide with the solar minimum? Why is the solar minimum formed? What restrains it? The solar minimum reduces the activity of the Sun. The electromagnetic field of the Sun itself weakens, and the Sun produces less radiation, which means that somewhere in remote areas, after all, it protects us with both its electromagnetic field and its radiation from something that comes from the outside, right? It means that more of something starts coming from the outside, and this more of something has to pass through our atmosphere to our planet and cause something. So, warming takes place. And as soon as our planet feels that more of something begins to enter it than is necessary, what does it begin to do? Protect itself. That is, the immune system is triggered. So, as a result of this immunity reaction, the ocean starts to emit more carbon dioxide, trees start to emit more carbon dioxide, there is an accumulation of it. And such a paradox occurs, which we observe today in our atmosphere. It is very similar to the skin immunity of our bodies. While we support the CO2 scam in favor of green energy, we make our situation even worse and lose that little bit of energy stability that we already lack during the ongoing climate disasters. Climate change is a consequence of cyclical astronomical processes which we are unable to resist in the consumerist format. The consumerist format is the way we live now, where human life means nothing, where everyone is just making money off each other, where money and power are more valuable than human life. In such a world, we won't be able to confront our 
common enemy, the climate, as we will be destroying each other for resources. But there is already a way out. Millions of people are already acting to change the format of our society from the consumerist to a creative one in which every person's life comes first by uniting the world, by combining scientific, technical, and intellectual potential. We will be able to forecast cataclysms in advance and move people to safe territories. There are already technologies that will help all people survive during the period of climate disasters. If you think that nothing depends on you, it is not true. On May 7th, 2022, there will be an online universal forum, Global Crisis, We Are People, We Want to Live, with interpreting into 100 languages. Join in to ensure a secure future for you and your family.